Welcome to Spark Your Fire podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. Now, when I was 15 years old, I had a very important person in my life come to me and say, who's your hero? And I said, I don't know, i got to think about that. Give me a couple of weeks. I come back two weeks later, this person comes up and says, who's your hero? I said, I thought about it. You know who it is? I said, it's me in 10 years. So I turned 25, 10 years later. That same person comes to me and goes, so are you a hero? And I was like, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, because my hero is me at 35. So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us, whatever those things are, whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen. To that I say all right, all right, all right. Good day, everyone. Welcome back to the show once again. It's Jazz here, and we have got Andrew, Andrew Quinn on the show again. Andrew is a securities and investment consultant with plethora of knowledge in investing in the financial market space. Andrew, thanks for coming back on the show, buddy. Thanks very much, Jazz. I'm looking forward to it. So where do we get started from? There's a couple of things we had listed, and I thought the best probably place to start will be is the macro picture for 2021. How is that looking? What what are you seeing in the market, especially the U.S. market, maybe to start with? Well, I think it's a fascinating time, actually, Jazz. I'll, I'll go through a few uh, comments on the U.S. market and where it stands at the moment. Of course, the U.S. market follows, or U.S. market leads, rather, the Australian market on about 60% probability on a daily basis. So, basically, if the U.S. market is going down, the Australian market will follow it down or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was an interesting article on the 6th of February where the NASDAQ actually came out and said, here's why you should expect a 20% stock crash in 2021. Now, that's pretty unusual for a, a, a stock market like NASDAQ to actually put out an article on that. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when that came out, I started to look at some of the other valuations on the market or valuation measures, and I'll go through a few here if you like. Sure. We've got the Schiller price earnings ratio, which is an inflated, uh, inflation adjusted uh, price earnings ratio over the last 10 years. Currently 35, which is double the long term average. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the S&P 500, the price to sales ratio is 2.89, with an average of 1.58. Just mm-hmm. the traditional S&P 500 PE ratio this morning, I checked, is 40.1. Four one against an average of fifteen point nine one, and the Buffett indicator, a popular indicator which shows U.S. market value against GDP, is currently two hundred and twenty five, which is about eighty percent above the historical average. So, mm-hmm. we've certainly got a fully priced market at the moment. The trouble is, we've also got one of the most exciting technology change periods occurring at the same time which you really don't want to miss out on. Um, Explain that. Well, technology is really offering huge opportunities, but a lot of risk at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an estimate around that about half of S&P 500 companies over the next 10 years will be replaced, which makes investing somewhat, if you're in the traditional areas, somewhat risky. In fact, if you go back in time, uh, Jazz, in 1964, you could expect to stay in the S&P 
index if you're a company about 33 years. And by 2016, that was down to 24 years. Mm -hmm. And estimates are now that in 2027, that will be down to 12 years. So mm -hmm. basically what we're seeing is um, a lot of disturbance of traditionally industries as, as, as they get replaced by new tech companies, which is an exciting but dangerous market here. You want to be on the right side of technology change. Um, and I think at the moment a lot of people may end up on the wrong side of technology change uh, by thinking they're going to buy value, looking back into history and saying, well, this company has been around for ages, only to find that it ends up being replaced by a new tech company, you know, or, or technological change. So mm -hmm. an exciting period with opportunities. I think you've just got to be cautious because the overall market is probably overvalued and mm -hmm. probably will have a, a pullback at some stage. At the same time, you don't want to miss out on this technological change. Yeah. So, so a market where you really have to watch your position sizing very, very closely and be in the right sectors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So two things over there. One is that the market is fully priced in, right? Yes. And on the other hand is the stimulus packages that are being handed out, which is the current two trillion one or one point nine trillion to be precise, right? Mm. When you see the stimulus package of that size, uh, which is money in the hand of the consumer citizens, um, it's fair to say part of that money or good chunk of that money will. Uh, uh, rotate back into the markets. So staying out of the market is the right thing or uh, when you see the size of the stimulus and you know that there's a possibility that the prior market is going to go even higher, um, do, you, do you sit back or do you um, stay well, active I, in the market, I guess? I, I, I don't think so. I think the decision is really where am I going to be in the market and how much am I going to put be putting into the market? I think the if you look at um, technology stocks, in fact, I went back in history and did a study of the very good performing technology stocks back in uh, in the US over many years, and a fifty percent retracement in those technology stocks happened to almost all of them, and in fact, even stocks like Apple, um, not Apple, say uh, Amazon, at one stage was down ninety percent. Mm -hmm. you know, during its lifetime. So so um, technology stocks can be traditionally very volatile, but I think it's so exciting, this technology period, that you don't want to miss out and that I don't, I'm not particularly negative on the outlook for the US economy. I actually think it might improve um, into 22 and 23. Mm -hmm. and, um, and therefore, while the US stock market may have some pullback along the way, particularly the NASDAQ, I think in the long term, I think it's uh, actually still looking pretty good. I think we'll come out of COVID and I think things will improve for the US. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to be in the right place at the right time and not not bet the house on any one decision. I think you've got to watch your position position sizing in this type of market. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the tech disruption, Andrew, mm. is there any particular sector within the tech uh, that looks interesting? Uh, well, the, the sector that I'm paying at the moment is actually commodities linked to EVs. Um, I'm already sort of positioned in that. I have been for sort of almost a year, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think that's still got a long way to go. If you look at globally, 
EVs make up about 1% of the market. They're 1% or 2% of, of new car sales. Um, I fully expect over the next 20 years or so that, that the entire automotive industry will move over with a few exceptions um, to, to electric vehicles, which means that I think there's a good chance that we'll, we'll face some com commodity shortages during that period. It's very hard to completely disrupt an industry and have commodities such as copper, nickel, graphite, mm -hmm. um, lithium, of course, um, you know, completely match that demand cycle. So I think uh, there's probably still an opportunity in there. I think that's quite an exciting area. The other area I think is going to be really good, it's harder to get access to that on the market at the moment, is mining automation. I think that will increase margins in the mining industry as they uh, as it moves more towards autonomous uh, haul packs and autonomous diggers. It's already part of the way there, but I think the established miners will benefit greatly from that automation. AI, artificial intelligence, will come into its own over the next 10 to 20 years. That will drive a lot of change within industry. Um, I think autonomous AI defence that you can get access to in the US market is also an exciting area. I think this whole concept of sending your kids out to fight for for your country is is somewhat ridiculous and that eventually the military goes more and more autonomous, you know, both the Navy, Air Force. Um, and I think the US is going to have to try and lead on that because if it doesn't, China will um, try and lead on AI and AI defence and it'll put everybody else in a vulnerable position. So I think the US will have to move um, quickly on that. I think the healthcare sector is showing a lot of... Uh, uh, scope for change and opportunity. Really, we've got a, 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 a healthcare sector that looks after sick people after they become sick. I think the move will be towards trying to prevent that sickness in the first place. So I think companies that are involved in that will be um, an exciting area as well. So there's quite a lot of opportunity out there. In fact, I'm surprised at, at the opportunity that's there at the moment in the markets, despite the markets being fully valued on a sort of traditional method, me measures basis. Mm -hmm. And within the commodity sector for EVs, uh, is there any particular commodity that stands out from an investment perspective? Uh, more than the other? I think if you look at copper, you can see the copper price going up and copper stocks going down. Mm -hmm. I think copper, because it's got some other wider markets, is worth looking at. Um, it's harder to find a good copper stock on the Australian market, mm -hmm. um, though, you know, you probably have to go overseas for that. I think despite the announcement on out of China on increased nickel supply recently, I think that nickel supply is likely to be fairly dirty supply and, and they don't want that in the AV industry. So I think mm -hmm. nickel will probably be good longer term. I think um, graphi graphene or graphite, um, has uh, good long potential, long-term potential as well. I think all of those um, areas, and of course, lithium still has a lot of um, potential. At the moment, my feel is that Europe is probably a little bit more ahead of the US in terms of lithium supply or supply chain management, where the US is obviously with Tesla ahead in terms of car manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I, I think at the moment, um, the US is going to have to play 
catch up very quickly on its lithium supply and other inputs into EVs mm -hmm. and rare earths. Otherwise, it's going to fall behind and wind up with an economy that's just still oil-based when the whole rest of the world has moved towards, you know, electricity-based EV-type um, scenarios. Mm -hmm. so, so recently I've been hunting around in Australian stocks that have US lithium exposure or lithium or rare earths exposure. Now, it's, in, it's somewhat dangerous because the green movement is so strong in the US that, that getting a mine going over there is, uh, you know, is quite dangerous or, or litigious type of process. You know? So I think that adds to the risk, may even ultimately slow down the supply into the market, which might long-term improve prices in those commodity, um, EV-related commodities, I think. Uh -huh. uh, um, but I think it's an exciting era. I think you've got to pick your companies, of course, and be very uh, fairly selective there. But I think there's a, a lot of opportunity um, in lithium, brines, um, not so much with the pond-type production, but with the new chemical extraction from um, brines. I think that will sort of be the way the market moves. I think Europe is going very you know, definitely into EV production. And I think uh, there's still some opportunities there as well, uh, mate, on the lithium side. Sure. Yeah. So that's they're the type of places I'd be looking. Infrastructure with this big program of, you know, 1.9 trillion, which you mentioned, uh, which has been approved recently. I think that might have some positive moves for US uh, infrastructure. I think a lot of uh, countries in, around the world might use infrastructures to stimulate their economies, you know, um, post-COVID, I think. Um, so that's probably a reasonable place to look as well. You know, I say again, remember you're playing against a market that's sort of overvalued and could pull back at the moment. Another way to play it would be to look across at what opportunities you want, maybe buy a very small amount of those opportunities and then perhaps top up if the market does in fact pull back at some, st at some stage. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if we, if we said, okay, we're going to see a big market pull back, would that destroy the trend towards EV, you know, EVs in the world? I don't think it really would. I think it might slow it a little bit, but it's not going to stop it, you know. So that's the way I'd play it at the moment, I think. Uh -huh. Now, we also have seen the bond yields that have been rising over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, I was looking at that this morning, actually. The uh, What have we got on the 10 years sort of been moving up? It's uh, it was about it's about two point eight nine. Um, oh, sorry, no, what is it at the moment? I'm wrong on that. About one one point six one. Sorry, yeah. mm -hmm. at the mo the moment this morning when I looked, and a year ago it was about point five six percent the ten year US bond yield. So it has been moving up. The market was concerned about that and start to come down because obviously it's an indicator that interest rates might need to rise. I think you possibly might see a rise in interest rates around sometime in 2023 in the US. Mm. Um, that's possible. In terms of bond yields continuing to rise, I think the Fed will ultimately step in again with more quantitative easing, more yield control to suppress yields. So mm. while the market was worried about it, I don't see it as uh, that much of a worry. I think the Fed will ultimately control it. Mm -hmm. 
So do you think looking at the bond yields, the market is more of a risk on or risk off at the moment? Market's still pretty strong, you know. Um, it's still aggressive uh, buying in, in a lot of areas. Um, I think you've just you don't want to get caught up and buy just assuming that we'll continue on. If you look at the chart of the Nasdaq, mm-hmm. the first thing you notice when you look at the chart is, gee, this has to pull back at some stage, mm-hmm. and I think it probably will. You know, which it will probably turn into a buying opportunity if it does sometime in twenty twenty one. Right. Interesting. Um, also, what sectors? I mean, you already mentioned commodities, EV. So, the sectors that you see outperforming over the, the over this over. I mean, if you were to just talk twenty twenty one. Yeah. Do your focus mainly is on commodities, EV, and some of the other things that you mentioned, AI and all? Or? I think I think so. so Material sector, I think, is probably going to out. Commodities are going to outperform. I think equally looking for things that are outperform or likely to outperform is you need to look at things, particularly for your superannuation portfolio, and say. Is this company going to be uh, disrupted in future? I mean, it can happen in all sorts of ways. Say the rubbish company, you know, Clean Away, that picks up your bin every Friday or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I was watching them the other day. They go by, a couple of guys in the truck, they pick up your bin and on they drive. You know, in um, Volvo at the moment are working on their autonomous rubbish truck that just goes off down the road with nobody in it, picks up your rubbish and completes the cycle. I think they're the kind of thing that seems pie in the sky now, but mm-hmm. if companies don't move into those kind of areas, they'll be very disruptive. So I think as well as looking for opportunities areas, you've got to look at, okay, where can I be disrupted or where can I lose money? So I think if you look at that, you can say, well, Myling's implementing autonomous, you know, methods, and that will probably benefit. So that's probably positive. Um, but other areas like banks are under attack from, from fintech. They could be very disruptive, and that could be a dangerous area in the future. So I think it's both sides of the coin, really, mate. Mm-hmm. And anyway, this year, start of this year, late last year, we have seen crypto to be really outperforming likes of Bitcoin and some of the other crypto uh, yeah. currencies. Do you have any thoughts on what's going on in that space? Yeah, we looked at this um, sort of last time we spoke, actually. Mm-hmm. My my view on crypto is really that it's, uh, I still see it as speculative, but I don't discourage people from buying some with a view that it's speculative money. I think um, it may be here to last. You know, certainly some big companies in the US are actually holding um uh, Bitcoin instead of holding uh, as much cash at the moment. So I think uh, it uh, has some potential, but I'm not. It's not without its risk, you right. know. So I think you, a balanced approach. Um, I'd say as a general thing, the the general view in in the for superannuation is that you know big companies, ASX 100, etc., is the way to go, and that's safe. Mm-hmm. I think that it will be proven wrong in the future. I think that you adjust your risk control by how much you buy of a particular asset or asset class. Mm. And so think of risk as risk is how much I buy, not what I'm buying. Mm-hmm. If you think of it like that, you'll probably do better over the next 10 years, I think. Fair enough. Um, and also, 
we did touch on gold last year, and I know uh, you were buying. At, uh, you you were a buyer if it was to drop a bit further, kind of thing at the time. Mm. And we have seen gold dropping, whereas a lot of the market talk has been, especially last year, was gold uh, adding more towards three k, four k mark, uh, purely because of all the new freshly printed money into the system. Yeah, well, well, interestingly, Jazz, I have to be honest with you, I ended up selling my gold <laughs> and getting out of it. Um, I don't particularly like the look of the chart at the moment. I think Bitcoin's starting to eat into that market a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't changed my view from last time that gold is like insurance and mm -hmm. you probably want to hold some. Although if I'm buying insurance, I'd rather have the most leverage for the least amount of money, in which case I'd actually, and I am actually, holding silver rather than gold. I'd rather hold silver because you can put less money into it and get greater leverage. Also has an industrial use in solar panels. So, so I think you can probably get more leverage in, in silver than gold. Although, you know, finding good silver opportunities in Australia is much harder than, say, it is in America mm -hmm. and relative to gold in Australia. But um, if I've been thinking about that and do I really want to play the gold market or the EV commodity market? And to be honest with you, I'd much rather play the EV commodity market. And, of course, commodities are not... Um, not you know those commodities are not sort of absent somewhat of an inflation hedge as well as well you know which is what you'd be looking for to an extent in gold um, or a currency hedge as well you know so um, I just I just looked at the I look at the chart of gold and I and I just didn't like it I got out a while back. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I had David Morgan uh, from Morgan Report on a show to talk about silver, silver squeeze and silver market in general. And I asked him the question at the time about whether Bitcoin was actually eating into the uh, precious metals, particularly gold and silver market. Um, mm. So, uh, and he, he obviously there's no, uh, there's no proof to, to be sure on that, but you do tend to, that way, it's actually there is no proof. I just think that it is to an extent um, eating into it. I just feel it, feel that people are using it a little bit as an alternative um, mm -hmm. to you know to gold and silver, mm -hmm. or, or particularly gold. But there's no proof, you know. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue, you know, vigorously and say no, it's not true. It's not eating into it, or that it is. I just sense that it probably is a little bit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you just mentioned some of the public companies converting their cash into Bitcoin, making that as a more treasury reserve asset. I think we saw MicroStrategy, Tesla, and there's a few other names out there. Yeah, even a few of the um, big um, retirement funds in the US have been doing it. Right. So when you see public companies and likes of retirement, retirement funds starting to dabble into the space, um, does that not put some kind of a legitimacy to this asset class? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it probably does. You know, it's certainly a vote of confidence. Mm -hmm. I think these guys are looking in, at what they're doing to the US dollar. I mean, this $1.9 trillion funding uh, proposal that's gone through, I actually don't think it's really necessary. I think the US dollar or US economy is strong enough to uh, 
to um, go forward reasonably well without this stimulatory process. And, of course, what the Fed's doing in lifting, moving around its balance sheet and uh, and the money creation that's been happening does put a risk into the currency markets. And uh, it's not just the US, but the euro and the yen. You know, it does add risk. And I think people are just want to hedge a little bit of that and say, okay, well, I'll buy some other assets. One of them might be Bitcoin, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's a it's a how much decision, not a not a yes or no decision. Like almost everything is at the moment, jazz. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what else, from a macro perspective, uh, when you're looking at the markets, and you mm. find interesting that may play out this year in 2021. Well, we've mentioned the the commodities place. Um, I think the obvious ones are robotics and automation as well. They'll, uh, you know, have a, have a place. I think it's not. I think it's not so much a market where you need to go. Okay, I want to invest in this sector. I think it's much more messy than that. I think it's much more. I want to invest in this company because it's going to disrupt all of these banks. Mm-hmm. And and play it like that. I think it's not a market where I want to buy this sector because it's going to go and do X, Y, Z. I think it's uh, a messy market like that where you've got to be a, become a, a pretty expert stock picker and fairly cautious doing it. Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, likes of Buffet Indicator and all, obviously those ones are flashing red as well. Mm. Um, then isn't really doesn't it really become a bit of a prudent strategy to just hold on to uh, for the market pullback to happen? Hopefully it should. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It says significantly overvalued at 196.4%. Yeah, I think the trouble is, you know, very often when you wait for a market pullback and everybody else is waiting, it doesn't happen and the market runs away. So I'd rather hedge my bets a little bit and say, Okay, if there's a market pullback, do I still want to own this stock no matter what? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think in often you can find those stocks in the market at the moment where you say, look, I don't care if the market pulls back 10 or 20 or even 50%. I still think that, um, you know, over the next 10, 20 years, EVs are going to dominate this industry, dominate the industry. They're 1% or 2% of the global car market at the moment. They're probably going to go to 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is massive change over the next twenty years, mm-hmm. and what the what the stock market does during that time probably is not going to greatly influence it, unless we have some major disruption in the financial markets. You know, which is possible, but but um, you know, again, you need to trade at a level that doesn't negatively affect your lifestyle. If you do lose some money, and and that's all part of your position sizing strategy rather than sit back and say, I'm going to wait for this great stock market crash because I can predict when it's about to happen and mm-hmm. and then I'll buy. You know, often that strategy sounds good in theory um, and you end up just missing out on when you should have just, you know, bought the stock and gone ahead. But you need to buy the whole position. Maybe you go, all right, I'm going to buy 20% of my normal position in this company. If the market pull, pulls back, I'll buy another 20% then. That kind of strategy is probably better. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a lot of talk about emerging markets that that's probably the place to invest, likes of uh, India, Brazil, Thailand, all of that. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on how to be 
investing in the emerging markets or that sort of space? That you well, th there's options in the ETF, you know, ETFs and things to buy in emerging markets. But to be honest with you, <coughs> I um, when the major markets like the US are fairly fully priced, mm -hmm. my view is if, if they were to get hit, the emerging markets would be hit sort of times two. Mm -hmm. So I'd see them as pretty risky at places I don't really want to be at the moment. I'd, I'd rather there's enough risk in the market to not have to chase it in India or Africa, really. I think. Right, fair enough. This year we have seen a good recovery in the crude oil prices. Yeah, from yeah. negative all the way to back to sixty-five kind of mark. Yeah, I actually brought some oil. You know, that day it went negative. <laughs> 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 I thought this is too good to be true, so I brought some. I made a little bit of money on it, but the market was so disrupted. You know. <laughs> um, uh, but I haven't been looking at oil that, that closely. I've been mainly looking at these EV opportunities. So um, I'm not really up with where oil is going to go. I mean, if I, in the small amount of that I have looked at it, you think maybe there's one last hurrah for the oil market, but it's on its way out sort of longer term, I think. Also, one thing I wanted to touch on, Andrew, is uh, one of the, uh, new alternative funds that you have been helping um, with lately. I think it's with Wealth Lender. Can you tell us a little bit about this alternative diversified fund? And, yes, yes, uh, sure. Obviously, none of this is financial advice, but keen to. No, hear. of course. Um, Jazz, of course, with the US markets sort of pretty fully um, valued and lots of technological change, it's a good time to launch a, a diversified alternative fund. And that's, in fact, what Jerome Lander is doing. And I've um, been helping him out on that. And it's a, a diversified alternative fund for high net worth um, or wholesale clients. Um, you can find out about it on wealthlander.com. The name of the fund is Wealthlander. Mm -hmm. um, and it's run by Jerome Lander. And Jerome is no slouch. He's an MD of Pro Capital in Sydney. He, he's portfolio manager at Lucent Alternative Investment Funds and general manager of investments and chief investment officer of WorkCover, New South Wales, head of research um, for VanEx for a while and head of diversified assets for Credit Suisse. So he's a great fund manager with a lot of skill, very smart guy. So that's an exciting project that we're involved in at the moment and uh, probably worth having Jerome on the show at some stage in the future once the fund gets launched to talk about some of those alternative asset classes that may have a little bit less exposure to straight out movements in the in the Australian or US stock market, mate. That's interesting. We'll, we'll surely get in touch with Jerome at some point and see if we can uh, tee up some time. Anything Sounds else, good. Andrew, that you would like to cover from a macro perspective? Or uh, I, think, I think the key summing up is the US market is clearly fully priced at the moment. On the other hand, the technology opportunities are very compelling. You need to be on the right side of technology change and you need to do that with relatively small position sizes in case the US market or the Australian market does step back uh, over 2021. I think that would be the main um, way to play it at the moment, Jazz. Great, mate. Great chat once again. Great. Yes, thank you, Jazz. It's been a while. We had you on the show, so it was good to 
see what do you think of the market currently, especially now that election is out. Yeah, the first quarter is almost ended, so it's good. I appreciate your time, and uh, for listeners, none of this is financial advice. Uh, do your own research. Stay safe, stay safe, and stay invested in the markets. Cheers, John. Okay, thank you.